Hello, hello. We welcome you today to Love is Spoken Queer, Gospel Topics, LGBTQ Plus Voices. I'm Dustin Larson. And I'm Renee Hernandez. And welcome, Renee. It's been two weeks, not of your doing, it's of my doing. And I'll explain a little bit of about that in my status update. But how have you been? How have you been since the last time we chatted, which was two weeks ago? I've been good. I ended up coming back to, let's see, it's been a week now since I've been back in Virginia. I'm going for two weeks now. So I uh, it feels good to be back. I'm starting to get back on my routine. Uh, my summer class is wrapping up. My jobs are picking up. My research assistantship for the summer is wrapping up. So a lot of old things, new things. Uh, I've been volunteering. I'm back on social media. If anyone wants to follow me, I've started posting, catching up everybody on my life. Hopefully people aren't annoyed with my daily to every other day posting. I don't know if you've been seeing my posts, but I've been posting and doing the long distance thing uh, with my boyfriend. He's in Logan and I am here. And that is a thing. I will keep you posted for those that are curious how that's going, because I am excited to find out how that's going to go. Staying positive and it's looking good so far. While at the same time, I'm still healing from Tommy. So that's a real thing. Like I share with the audience in case I know you're going through the same thing. Still working through a lot of those emotions while navigating some new ones. And so missing Tommy while also enjoying the beautiful moments I've had with Tyler. So that's been super, super interesting. Definitely interesting. Could be its own podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to do a podcast. Um, but that's me. How about you, Dustin? How are you, how, how are your last two weeks? Uh, it has been emotional, baby. <laughs> I get so emotional, baby. Hey, I actually got out of that song today when you said it. I like, oh, right? good. Good, yes. good, good. You're catching I, on. I think I'm catching on to this. Like, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and the reason why it's emotional was because the reason why we delayed it a week, like we didn't have an episode drop last week, was because... Because I had had it officially with just like, not life, but just like curveballs being thrown my way because it got super busy at work. And then it just was like super stressful. And then one thing after another, and then I was preparing to go to my brother's wedding and I just was not in the right mindset. And then if I learned anything from Simone Biles in this last Olympics is you need to put your mental health first and you don't need to apologize for it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not in the mental headspace to put my best foot forward with what the listeners out there deserve to hear. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just delay it a week. And so I went and I looked to see what the lesson was for this week to see if we could incorporate it with the chapters of last week. And it basically was talking about the same sort of thing. So I'm like, you know what, Renee, let's give us each a break. Cause you had just traveled home, right? Like you had just had a cross country trip. You were worn out. I was worn out. I <laughs> was like, you know what? We just need to put the brakes on it a little bit. And so I, I feel refreshed and rejuvenated. I don't know about you, but I think it was a good idea to push everything back. And you shouldn't apologize for posting on social media if it's like every day. Because we've got some influencers, I say those in quotes, that post like multiple times a day. Like they post on the hour every hour. So if you're annoyed with Renee's posts, <laughs> you need to reevaluate your life. Just kidding. But anyways, so another reason why I push the episodes back in other places because the whole topic we're going on is solace. And I was just like, you know what? I'm in a place where I'm searching for solace. So let's just put the money where the mouth is and see if I can do some sort of like exercises in, in mental, spiritual, that sort of thing to see if I can find solace. And one of the things was, was to put my mental health first. And I was able to actually find solace. And again, like I said, I 
am feeling rejuvenated. I'm feeling ready to talk about certain topics we're going to talk about today. So without further ado, what do you think it's time for, Renee? Time for the Haiku Lelujas. <laughs> yes, exactly. And this week we'll be talking about Doctrine and Covenants chapters 85 through 87, which was last week. And then we're sandwiching in 88 here. So we're going to be talking about Doctrine and Covenants 85 through 88 through the queer perspective of solace. And so, Renee, I don't remember who went first. I'm going to give you the option of who you'd like to go first as far as the Haiku Leluya. Okay. I am going to say, I, I will be happy to start. But can I tell you that I had to look up the definition of solace on this one? Because I knew what solace meant, but then my brain kept saying quantum of solace. Like ah, the yeah. And I was like, wait, why is that even called quantum solace? And I didn't have to rewatch the movie. Luckily, my brain does this thing that if I see a movie once, I can still replay it as long as it's the movie I liked. So I did that. And I was like, okay, that makes sense why it's called quantum solace which I hadn't paid attention to it before. I never paid attention to the titles. It's just, I love James Bond. So I just want to watch James Bond, right? So with that being said, here is my Haikulia with the proper use of solace. Well, quantum solace is correct, but you know what I mean. <clears throat> solace. Embrace his solace. Let it be your nourishment. Grow beyond measure. Yay! Yes, yes, yes. And I have some question about Quantum of Solace after this, but uh, that just came to my mind. But uh, so I will now give my Haikulelujah for Solace. Everyone deserves to find solace for themselves. Let go and let God. <laughs> oh, let go. Let God. This is like Elsa needs to add that to her lyric. <laughs> it's funny because I stole that from, well, RuPaul didn't make it up, but in one of the episodes where she, I think it was in All Stars Five, where she was talking to Miss Cracker because Miss Cracker always got in her head and they're like, Miss Cracker, you just need to stop trying to produce yourself. You need to get out of your head. She goes, you just need to let go and let God. And then she started laughing. She's like, I don't know where that came from. She goes, I wasn't going to say it. And they started playing like organ music and stuff like that. And Michelle Visage, who's sitting next to her is like, who are you? So I thought it was funny because it's one of those, I love it when I see RuPaul in drag where she's really serious and then she just makes, cracks herself up. <laughs> like, Because I sometimes do that too, where I take something really serious and then my mind goes to, you got to quote this. Otherwise <laughs> you're not, you're going to regret it later even though it's the most inappropriate time to quote something sometimes I've actually got better than that. Cause I used to, I used to interrupt you Hayden and Todd with my inappropriate sort of <laughs> sound bites in between like your thoughtful spiritual moments. And, and so I just did that to myself. And also I, I know it might, I think it's kind of like a saying within kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous or those sort of support groups as well. So I'm not making light of that at all. And what kind of put me down that road to even Google where this kind of saying came from besides sort of like spiritual topics is I was watching SVU, um, Law and Order SVU, and there's an episode where there was someone in AA and was comforting one of the other members that they were in there and saying, don't give up on the program. Remember, let go and let God. I'm like, wait, I just heard that. <laughs> so I googled it so i just want to say that i wasn't making light of that but i was just kind of mimicking rupaul's kind of like cracking herself up so that's that's where i let go and let god came from oh, wait 
let go and let God, that's like, like a legit thing. Yeah. It's it, well, it's, I think it's a term of kind of like when it gets too tough, turn to God sort of thing. Like, I think it is. Uh-huh. And it's also like, it's derived from a scripture sort of thing where, where God says to just let go and, and let the spirit take you or whatever like that. But I heard it from RuPaul first and then I heard it on the SVU episode. I'm like, wait a second. I just don't, I want to make sure this isn't one of like the, the 12 steps that I'm now making light of, but I think it's just a saying that people use to kind of help them through their different programs. But anyways, <laughs> that's, that's where I came from. And quantum of solace. Is that the first one Daniel Craig was in? Cause I think that's the only one. Oh, that was Casino Royale. Yeah. This was the, the one that came after that. What's the one where he's like in Mexico? Is that Quantum of Solace? I just know on the picture, it just shows a man in a, a skull mask. What no, one? he does travel around on this one, but I think he's mostly in Europe on this one. It's like the sequel one, because uh, no spoil. Well, you've had time to watch it. There's like the girl that's in the flooded building, isn't it? Like the, it it starts there and then it goes directly yeah, into the end. Yeah. Yeah. So they end up in South America, like in the movie. Is oh, that so- what you by? Yes, because yeah. I just remember that in the poster, it was it's a really weird poster because it's like a real close, like almost a screen grab from the film because it's kind of grainy, except for the the guy with the skeleton. I'll find the picture and I'll I'll probably. Yeah, I'm curious now what you're talking about because the poster that I remember seeing is just him and the girl, like, and then yeah, that's the one that I've seen for Quantum of Solace. I don't know if you're thinking of like Casino Royale, maybe Spectre. It's Spectre. Oh yeah, that's. I used sometimes remember them by the songs that were made. That's the one that uh, Sam Smith did. Yep. Oh, and doesn't Spectre mean something? Let me see real fast. Dude. Yeah, because that one's the one that came after Skyfall. Oh, so something like, feared or possible unpleasant or dangerous occurred. Okay, so yeah, so that's that's what it is. So yeah, because I just remember the poster for it, or at least some of the marketing was, it was all blurry, except it was like a crowd, and it's all kind of blurry and out of focus and grainy, except for the guy in the skull mask, and he's like in a top hat or something. I don't know. I stopped watching at Casino Royale. I may have watched Quantum of Solace, but I have no memory of it. So <laughs> that's how much well, of an effect it had on me. Adele did the song for that one. Oh, that's right. And she got her Oscar for it. This was her Skyfall, actually. Oh, yeah, she did Sky. Oh, see, I'm I only remember Casino Royale is the only one that I can legit remember. But anyways, we're getting off topic. (laughs) This is a spiritual podcast, Dustin. Not a movie podcast. Come on. Back to Quantum of Solace and drop the quantum, keep the solace. As a (laughs) queer person of faith, what first comes to mind when you hear the word solace? Other than you didn't know what it was when you first heard it <laughs> yeah you had to look at it but basically it it was talking about how like the, i'm just going to look rely on the definition but it said comfort or consol- consolation in a time of distress or sadness so like i want to say like when i was going through the pains and sorrows this last spring of you know the heartache uh, breaking up with tommy i think i relied a lot on prayer and my friends long distance friends because most of them so only if you were nearby who are no longer nearby but yeah, they brought a lot of comfort and made me feel loved in a way that like in that moment I wasn't feeling. So it's almost like they provided what I was lacking in the moment, not because I didn't have it just because of what I, I was going through. I didn't see it or perceive it in myself or around myself, which was super cool. That's solace. Yeah, I, I was thinking of a lot of the same things, and especially in the these chapters. <laughs> what? You don't agree? You don't agree with me? I'm just saying copycat. Oh, <laughs> no. No, it's just I think that we, as queer people of faith, we can relate a lot on trying to find solace in our lives because, first of all, 
sometimes the places that are the most obvious for us to find solace aren't the most available to us, especially like talking about what's in these scriptures that we're, we're, we're reading this week, like, especially like temples or standing holy places or, or houses of the Lord, like as queer people of faith, we can't turn to those places, at least physically on this earth, because of certain factors that are beyond our control and beyond some of the leadership's understanding. So I think solace is a really, it's a needed topic, especially again, in these, these scriptures, because they're talking about some really heavy things from like what happens with apostates or apostasy, like you, you aren't able to kind of get your inheritance in the, in the final days or the final days themselves and just ways you're supposed to look out for one another's. It's just, there's a lot of things here that God provides a lot of administrative sort of things within these scriptures of like, this is, how you're supposed to carry out these things. But then at the same time, he kind of folds in ways for us to find solace. The first thing that jumped out at me is a question that was asked in the manual, and it's pertaining to chapter 85, which is about apostates and excommunication is basically what they're talking about. Names of people who have shown apostasy or considered apostates are not supposed to be associated with those in like the, the book and the final days of the book of the judgment sort of thing, which I think a lot of queer people of faith find themselves in the crosshairs of exactly what is considered apostasy or an apostate because, again, of misunderstanding or lack of understanding by by straight leadership. And so ways to kind of find solace to combat that is to kind of turn in and look in towards yourself. And this question prompts you to do this. And so it says, are you keeping a personal history or journal? What could you record about your manner of life, faith, and works as a queer person of faith that might be a blessing of solace to future generations? How might this history be a blessing of solace for you? So I'm going to ask you that question. Do you keep any sort of record of your experiences? And do you find solace in keeping that record? Um, I don't keep a consistent record. Like I don't date write daily. I use LDS, the, um, the notes section of our website on the church website to help me keep track of all my emotions. Usually when I'm dealing with something major and heavy or a lot of good emotions too, I will usually resort to writing there. And most of those are like about my journey, my queer journey and where I am with those things most of the time. So I do keep a record and I use it in a way to help me remember like what I call like turning points, like points in my life where they became impactful in one way or another. The day I met Tommy, the day I moved to New York, uh, the decisions I made to buy a home, things like that. So I've kept track of those things like that in my life that allowed me to keep track and be able to share it in the future almost like as highlights. But I also use Instagram in a way that way too pictures and things like that that I keep I like something that's curated specifically so I can when I'm sharing with others I can use that as a way of almost documenting my journal my journey like my coming out post is on Instagram for that reason you know what I mean I only came out on there almost so I could keep it as a document because everybody knew at that point like so I don't know that's that's kind of like where I am at with recording my things how about you I'm curious do you record on daily I I don't and uh well before this podcast, I really didn't keep any sort of record because I I don't know. I just would like lose interest in it. Like I would start writing it down and then I want some days I'd have like a lot to write and then some other days I just would have nothing. And so it became more and more days where I had nothing and then I just would let it fall to the wayside. And then another thing too was I was, and I'm trying to think of the most appropriate way to express this, but I was kind of sh- scarred by 
the diary of Anne Frank because it started out as like her personal diary. And then halfway through, she's just like, you know what, this could be a huge document and recording of my experience and those experiences of everyone going through this period of time. So she started changing the things she wrote about and it wasn't as personal, but in those very personal chapters in the very beginning, there were some really embarrassing things, at least for me, if I were to not saying the things that she was writing about was embarrassing in general, like the topics, but if I were to write those things in my diary or my journal, and then it were to be published for millions of people to read for decades and decades, and I'd be mortified. So that kind of was just like, you know what, I'm just going to find my own way of kind of <laughs> writing this down. And, and it's one of those things that I've, I finally got over. I think you want to know what it was, is I was afraid of being vulnerable. This is what it was. I was afraid of being vulnerable because when I wrote, when I wrote, when I read the diary of Anne Frank, I was in the seventh grade. So I was going through, pu- I went through puberty early. Like I think I started in the fourth grade. So by the time in seventh grade, I was full blown the stash on my lip and feeling uh, self-conscious about my body hair and having to have deodorant, all that stuff. So I started puberty before everyone else. And I was already kind of self-conscious about some of the feelings I was starting to have because I wasn't sure what those feelings were. I, 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 well, I knew what they were. I just couldn't put a name to it. Like, like I was identifying as a gay man and I just wasn't feeling comfortable in my, my skin because I didn't know what was normal because before I came out, I thought that it was hormones, like that sort of thing. Like everyone is going through puberty and they all feel like this, this attraction to the same, same gender, or they all have like kind of queer sort of feelings. And then they, once their hormones settle down, they kind of get out of that. And since I started puberty a lot earlier than everyone else, I couldn't really like ask anybody because no one could relate because they were all still baby voice, baby face, like that sort of thing. So that's what it was, is I was afraid to be vulnerable. And I think it took until my adult life now, this podcast for me to get over being afraid of being vulnerable because vulnerability to me open the door for rejection. And that's one of my greatest fears is to be rejected, even to the point where I'm afraid of automatic doors and walking up to them and them not opening. <laughs> like, like it's that sort of deep seated, like fear of rejection, like walking up to a, uh, like a club and my name not being on the list and being turned away, like that form of rejection. And so I think that's what led me down the path of kind of not recording things. But I think having only my voice out there and not me really seeing the reactions of other people in real time kind of has helped me take down that wall and to really find solace in sharing my experiences and not censoring what I want to say and just being really open and honest and vulnerable for the listeners out there because I hope it will help them find solace within themselves, because that's really where you need to start with is you need to look inward first to find happiness and peace and solace with yourself. And then if you need a little bit of help, then you turn to heavenly father and other beings. And then the third place you should turn to is then the outside world, because at that point you only just need a little bit left and it's not your entire existence dependent on what other people think about you. So that's my long answer saying that I I have started recording my experiences through this podcast and I have found solace in it by being able to speak through a lot of the thoughts that I've been having on certain tough topics. And I hope that listeners out there can listen back to past episodes and like even years from now, if they're still available to turn 
back to kind of like the the experiences that we've had and find kind of things that they could relate to and then bring themselves in times of trouble. Because I think with us as members of the church, as queer people of faith, we are on this roller coaster ride where we have high highs, we have low lows, and we don't know what's going to happen around that next corner. Because I feel like the moment we have like a repeal of the November 2015 policy and we're celebrating that, all of a sudden this attack on the Equality Act happens. So it's like one of those things like we can never really feel at peace until we are fully accepted as full members of the church. And I think until that happens, we really need to designate certain places of solace, whether it's a room in your house, whether it's a state of mind, whether it's like an activity that you go to. I think we really need to be proactive in finding places of solace because as we read in these scriptures, in these chapters, the closer we get to the second coming and the the end times, the tougher it's going to get. So we need to get physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. I just, I just, I just started to, to quote the the Boy Scouts honor the Scout honor. I don't know why I slipped. I haven't said that in years. So I just. I just pulled a RuPaul, like, oh my God. Oh, but anyway, so Renee, <laughs> what other things in these readings kind of jumped out at you as far as solace? Well, I kind of gather myself because I did not see that coming. <laughs> I, I surprised myself. In these first few chapters, there's not much like that I would say I want to share in regards to the queer perspective. But in essence, something that you said that I really like in regards to how we as queer individuals find solace within the church or our activity around it goes back to something that I'm a big advocate of. And it's the idea that each of our experiences are a unique one and that our mental health is intertwined with all that. And so along that journey of seeking solace, it is okay to take those steps away or in whatever direction you need to, because the journey is your own. I think sometimes I worry that with the creation of our podcasts, not just our own, but others, queer experiences that are out there, we are going to be pigeonholed to, to whatever that podcast is that whatever church leader is listening to or individual in your family is, but know that your uh, experiences are very unique. And I think that's something that I liked in regards to the section, because especially in section 88, which I know I'm jumping way ahead, but it's because it's talking about the kingdoms, right? And each in, in each of its glories and each of its place. Something that I've always liked, and I may be speaking out of turn because it's been a minute, but I used to be Catholic. And for us, the concept of heaven and hell was very straightforward. Like these people go to hell, these people go to heaven. Um, when I joined the LDS faith, I was taught about the different glories and the different levels of it all and how utter darkness, which would be maybe the equivalent of hell, is very much reserved for like worst case scenario. Nobody knows what that worst case scenario is kind of thing. Well, we kind of do, but deep doctrine, we won't go into that. And I think that always taught to me that there is a place in Heavenly Father's kingdom for each and every one of us. And that in turn evolved into me understanding that his love is with us in our individual journeys as we are journeying in this endeavor. And when we're seeking solace, we do it in different ways. He points out a few of the ways we could do it in, in doctors and covenants. I just want to make reference to what you were saying about that. I feel like what I got from your statement was that sense of individuality, that our journeys are unique and that the places we find solace and the way we do it will be unique to us, which I thought was super cool. Yes. And I'm really glad that you brought up kind of the idea that we have our unique experiences and those unique experiences also help us better understand ourselves and really seek out ways to better 
tend to our needs, whether that's physical or whether that's mental. And in chapter 86, which I think we can really relate to as queer people of faith, and it's basically the parable of the the wheat and the tares. And it's talking about not jumping to conclusions and judgment so quickly. And that's on both sides of the queer people of faith and the straight members. And the specific verses that I want to talk about are, it says, verse six, it says, but the Lord saith unto them, pluck not up the tares while the blade is yet tender for verily your faith is weak, lest you destroy the wheat also. Therefore let the wheat and the tares grow together until the harvest is ripe. Then ye shall first gather out the wheat from among the tares. And after the gathering of the wheat, Behold and lo, the tares are bound in bundles and the field remaineth to be burned. And the reason why I want to bring that up is these angels were so concerned with the outward appearance of the the wheat. Like all they could see was the wheat and the tares and they jumped to conclusions saying the wheat won't survive. Like we need to get rid of these tares now. And in, if they were to do that, then they would risk taking out some of the wheat with them because at the time of their growth, they were too intertwined. But once they get longer, you're able to differentiate the two. And I kind of compare that and kind of relate that to sometimes church leadership, whether it's local or on the grand scale, kind of jumps to conclusions of what is appropriate and not appropriate in ministering to members within our faith. And I'm talking about kind of like mental health professionals that provide services to LGBTQ members to help them navigate their journey, whether it's their sexual identity, whether it's their gender identity, whether it's just anything like that. And there's this article that I found, where is it? It's it's the NPR of Utah. So what is it? M- yeah, NPR Utah. So it's U-E-R <laughs> or something, or K- K-U-E-R. I'm not from I'm not from there apparently. So K E U R 90.1 and it says Natasha Helfer has been excommunicated from the church. Here's what she has to say now. And basically the reason why they excommunicated her was in her practice as a mental health professional, she helped members of the church navigate their sexual identities, navigate their gender identities, that sort of thing, which some church leaders interpreted that as going against church teachings, but they jumped to the conclusion that what she was doing was against church policy, even if it was to the betterment of her patients, they rather chop her down she's a stock of wheat. They would rather chop her down of fear of the tares coming into the church, that sort of thing. So I think what we really need to do as queer people of faith is to share our experiences and share our stories so that the allies outside of our community that are helping us find solace with our identities and our journeys don't get removed from our, our sphere of trust. I'll post a link to this, this article for you to kind of learn the details of it a little bit better. But I think that's just an example of the church really needing to, well, the church and its leadership and, and some of its members really need to simmer down a little bit. They need to put their sickles away until the wheat and the tares can grow and make themselves known. Because think of all the lives she could have saved by her treatment that she gives to the people that are in need. But because she was thrown or cut from the field too soon, all those wheat that are attached to her are gone as well. There could be some tears in there, but we'll never know because we've lost a a strong standing piece of wheat that could take a bunch of wheat with her without us knowing. So I think we need to find solace And then we need to protect those places that provide us solace. And we need to give our stories out there to make sure that they aren't 
prematurely harvested and and thrown with the tares to be burned because again think of all the lives that could have been saved with her influence and her guidance i definitely agree i think i think we end up losing amazing contributors to our church when we jump the gun like that and i hope it wasn't driven just by fear or that worry but if that is the case then definitely not a good move Things like this are the moments where I have to like take that deep breath and analyze my standing with the church myself, um, because it is still something that I, it, the gospel, I love the gospel. I don't always necessarily agree 100% with the organization that is the church. So as a queer individual in, in, in the church, I love the Lord's approach to what kind of what you were saying in regards to the weed and the t- um, tares. Is, am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah. I was, allowing us to grow together. So then you could really see, and I feel like by their fruits that you shall know them. And I feel like in the end, maybe they could have seen how beautiful the fruits of her labors were actually, you know what I mean? And the impact they were having, especially in the state of Utah, where suicide rates are so high in the youth, there's a lot of things that she could have maybe been a part of in helping. And hopefully she still will be. Hopefully this is not a deterrent for that. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of, I'm going to jump to 88 like you you did earlier, because I think this kind of is in line with our discussion right now, that I think a lot of the fear that was coming from the leadership of the church could have been remedied if they had educated themselves on the experiences of the members that she was kind of treating and she was, she was ministering to. And I think that also is in line with us as well is like, if there's certain things that we don't understand and it brings us unsettling feelings, we can find solace in gaining more knowledge on that topic. And that's exactly what Christ is saying in chapter 88, verse 118. He says, and as all have not faith, seek ye diligently and teach one another words of wisdom. Yea, seek ye out of the best books, words of wisdom, seek learning even by study and also by faith. And I said, as a queer person of faith, I know sometimes faith alone isn't enough to bring me solace. God has given me limitless opportunities to educate myself as well as countless experts to listen to. So knowledge gained paired with faith kept is what will bring me true peace. Would you mind reading that last sentence against the knowledge um, part? Uh, so what did I say? So knowledge gained paired with faith kept is what will bring me true peace. I love that faith kept. Yeah, no, I, 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 I was adding bits and pieces of words too to make it kind of catchy like that, but I love that. But what really spawned me saying that, not only because it was inspired by the scripture, is there is so much information out there. Yes, there's some misinformation, but there's so much real information out there that we don't have an excuse not to have at least a basic understanding of certain people's experiences. And whether it's a documentary, whether it's a book, whether it's like even just reaching out on social media to someone of an experience you're not familiar with, like we have no excuse to sit in ignorance. And I and I always say that people who continue to sit in ignorance, it's voluntary ignorance, which is the same as kind of like turning a blind eye, which isn't good. And it, it's not productive in any way. And one of the things that's just really, I think is a, is a very good source of experience to witness. (laughs) I I had a hard time getting that out, but a very good documentary to watch, to learn a little bit more experience of queer people of faith is one that just came out on Netflix. And I know it's kind of a trigger warning and it's kind of, it's, it's very sensitive subject matter, but it's, it's pray away. And it's basically looking into what was considered an ex-gay movement, specifically the Exodus kind of grouping of people 
and it's leaders and memberships that were part of the Exodus sort of group that have since come out later on in life and kind of denounced the practices of conversion therapy or reparative therapy. And I say those both with quotes because they have been discounted by countless other like health organizations. And it really shines a light onto experiences that queer people of faith have gone through, are going through, and will continue to go through if we don't educate ourselves on the experiences of queer people of faith. And it's a Ryan Murphy sort of production. So I was kind of expecting it to be biased towards one side or the other, but I think he did a really good job of kind of weaving in certain stories to not be completely biased. Um, One story that I really loved was of this individual named Julie, where she was kind of like the poster child in her, her teenage years for this. But then it showed how she was able to kind of leave this sort of environment, but still keep true to her her faith. And she was able to find another institution out there where she could be herself and she could find someone that she loved and she can marry, but she still remained faithful to what she found true to um, her, her, her being and why she was drawn to the church in the first place. And there's a quote that I really want to just share really fast. And it, it's towards the end. And I just loved it because I really think that if we can develop our church to kind of mimic this this institution that she's a part of, not the Exodus one, but the the church that she found after leaving that group, that we could be in a really good place to do a lot of good for queer people of faith in general. And so she goes, I was here last Friday for a service they did honoring and remembering Matthew Shepard, and I have absolutely never seen so many queer people in a church. All these people who have carried so much shame and so much humiliation and physical abuse and things got to come into a church probably for the first time in decades, and to hear you specifically, you gay person, you bisexual person, you transgender person, you are welcome here and you are wanted here and we honor your lives and this is a safe place. Having the grace to find this kind of place who's going to speak that blessing over us and to us is the deepest source of healing we could ever receive. So the reason why I wanted to bring that out is, yes, the subject matter that this documentary is talking about is extremely, extremely sensitive and countless people's lives have been lost or damaged due to the practices that a lot of the individuals did in their life that it, that's documented in this, this, this movie. But I think it's something that people need to watch again to educate themselves and for people that went through that, that are survivors of these conversion therapies or the reparative therapies to know that they're whole, they are not damaged, and that if they choose to continue on the relationship with a spiritual being afterwards, that is possible. Just because they were hurt by an institution doesn't mean that God has given up on them or that God doesn't love them because that is man's fault. That's not God's fault. And I think we can really find solace in reminding ourselves that God is always going to be there and God loves us no matter what. And no matter what man says, that will never change. And another thing that this this individual in the movie said, Julie, was she had to separate Jesus from the Christians who hurt me. And I think that's something that we as members of the church and we as queer people of faith can really find solace in is when we're hurt by members of the church 
and we still have a strong testimony in Jesus Christ and God and their love for us, we need to separate the actions of man, quote unquote, man or earthly beings from the love of God and Christ that we feel. And once we're able to do that, we can find solace again in the spirituality and the spiritual connection that we were able to develop of what, again, drew us to these spiritual practices in the first place. And I, I really think that, again, with all the dark topics and with all the sensitive topics that are discussed in this documentary, the light at the end of the tunnel that Julie is able to shine on her life and I hope influences the lives of those who watch it is a place that I really found solace in some of the kind of troubling thoughts I had with this past week. And if I may add some scriptures to Dustin's thought, um, Doctrine and Covenants 88 verses 125 and 126 say, And above all things, clothe yourself with the bond of charity as with a mantle, which is the bond of perfectness and peace. Pray always that you may not faint until I come. Behold and lo, I will come quickly and receive you unto myself. Amen. So like you're saying, the Lord is, you know, the connection you seek. He's going to be there for you. And thank you for sharing that, because that's a nice segue into going back into chapter 87, kind of going a loop-de-loop roundabout way, is another way that God wants us to find solace or Christ wants us to find solace is to find holy places and stand in those holy places. And sometimes on this earth, there are physical holy places like the temples or like chapels or even kind of like special places within your home that you're able to kind of go and find solace in. But not all of those places are open to queer people of faith because, again, like I said earlier, it's through circumstances out of our control or lack of understanding of of members of the church at this time or leadership of the church at this time. And so I just have some thoughts on it based on Doctrine and Covenants 87 verse 8. It says, Wherefore, stand ye in holy places, and be not moved until the day of the Lord come. For behold, it cometh quickly, saith the Lord, amen. And I said, as a queer person of faith, I may come across physical holy places that are not open to me to find solace. So I must never forget that if I keep the faith, God will make wherever I stand holy. And that's kind of to go hand in hand with what I said earlier is one of the first places we need to seek solace is within ourselves, because if we're able to find solace, find peace, find understanding and wholeness within ourselves, that holy place will be with us no matter where we are. So that way, if we feel a little discouraged about not being able to enter into the temple, which is something that I felt this this past weekend because my youngest brother was married in the sacramented temple and I wasn't able to go inside physically, but I was still able to find the solace by walking around the temple grounds and just feeling that peace and knowing that I don't need to necessarily be in the temple right now to feel that peace and feel that solace. If I have that solace within myself and just have it radiate out of me, and incorporate the environment that I was. And I was able to take some really gorgeous pictures and really feel the peace that I know I'd be able to feel within the temple. But until that opportunity is open to me and open to everyone within my experience and open to basically everyone on earth, I'll have to find other places to find the solace. And it it might feel a little discouraging, but at the same time, wherever we find peace and find solace, God will be there also. And sometimes that's just within ourselves. It's cool. I like that. And it's true. I love that you reframed a little bit of stand ye in holy places, be not moved. Because that is something that I truly believe. And I feel like we really can create our own holy places and be not moved. And I think having the Lord and Heavenly Father there in the Holy Ghost really is a great support for it all. So 
and I wholeheartedly agree. And I think right now it's time to take a short break. And welcome back from the break. You are listening to Love is Spoken Queer, and Renee and I have just finished our discussion on Doctrine and Covenants chapters 85 through 88 through the queer perspective of solace. And Renee, based on our discussion today, what do you feel called to do? I feel that I am called to create a place of solace in my own home and around myself so that others, not just myself, can find solace in my friendship, in my care, and in my love. I feel like I know that got cheesy, but I really do mean it. I feel like that is something that I want to cultivate, be a person of solace for others. Oh, I love that. I love that. Uh, that's a great calling. What about yourself, Dustin? What is yours? I feel called to continue educating myself on not only the queer experience, but the queer person of faith experience, because the more I'm able to embed a lot of other people's experiences into kind of my knowledge, the more I'm able to speak on their behalf when the opportunity comes for it. And I'm not just saying taking someone else's voice and using it for my own agenda, but to really understand all these different perspectives out there. And one of the resources that I recently stumbled across is a book called Homosexuality and the Christian Faith faith. And it says questions of conscience for the churches. And I stumbled across this because for our kind of, I call them inspiration cards that I post on Instagram, which kind of have quotes from the the podcast episodes that are tied back to a specific scripture within the readings. I find little background images to then put like the, the words over. And one time I Googled, I can't even remember what the Google keyword was, but it came up with uh, basically these rainbow colored lights or candles that were like in rows. And I always like to credit the person who either took the photo or did the artwork or that sort of stuff. So I, there's a lot of Googling and Google reverse image search and all that stuff when I find like the perfect image, because I want to make sure that I give credit to the, the right person. And so I found that that was actually a cover of, of this book I just said was Homosexuality and the Christian Faith. And I'm like, you know what, that seems really interesting. So then I read the intro to it or kind of like the synopsis of what's what's happening in it. And I was just like, you know what, that's really interesting. And so I ordered a copy and I started reading it. And it's actually pretty fascinating because the copyright is 1999. And so some of the subject matter that they're talking about is extremely ahead of its time <laughs> because this was like when the, the ex-gay movement really started to kind of come to the forefront and stuff like that. So a lot of these spiritual leaders that are in this book, some of the things that they're saying were pretty radical at that time. It was very conservative. It was still, I believe, the Clinton era or something like that. Like it was still kind of like, don't ask, don't tell. Pretty conservative when it comes to homosexual rights or LGBTQ rights and that stuff. So I was really fascinated to see just these words of wisdom coming at that period of time. But the downside of that is these words of wisdom are still extremely relevant today when they shouldn't be <laughs> like they should be outdated because we should, should be well past these radical forward thinking things. But it's, it just shows that we have a lot of work still to be done, especially within our church as members of the church, that we need to continue sharing our stories and we need to continue learning of others' experiences. And we need to continue 
to educate those around us so that way this church is a place of solace that it's meant to be. It is a place for people to come and worship and to find comfort and solace and to grow closer to Christ and and those around them. So that's my calling. Again, my long-winded calling is to continue finding these resources to help me understand other people's experiences and to help better put my experiences into words. Because sometimes I'm not able to fully articulate what I'm feeling or what I'm experiencing. But if I find something that I'm like, that is exactly what I want to say. I just didn't know how to say it. Like I do that with songs too. Like rather than me telling you what I'm feeling, let's just write these song lyrics and show you them. But yeah, so that is what I feel called to do is to continue on this never ending journey of better educating myself. Cause that is also something that Christ asks us to do. As I said earlier in this podcast is to continue to search knowledge because he has provided it there for us. I like that. And listeners out there, if you have any things you'd like to contribute ways that you feel solace, sources of information that you feel would be really great to share with other listeners out there, feel free to send them in to lovespokenqueer at gmail.com, or you can send us a direct message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And so Renee, before we go, is there any last words of wisdom or, or comfort or solace that you'd like to leave with the listeners to have them take with them throughout the rest of this week? Uh, no, just wishing every, I guess, just wishing everybody a, a wonderful week. And I hope that for those going back to school, even if you already started, I wish you the best in the semester. For those um, teachers and educators going back into the workforce, I wish you the best. And hopefully um, the masks and everything that are coming back won't be too much of a terrible way on your students or yourself and that everybody else has a wonderful time and you're happy. Yes. And so I just like to add everyone stay safe and sanitary out there. <laughs> Wash your hands, wear your masks, get vaccinated, yeah, stay six feet good. apart. So yeah. But anyways, and the last thing we have to do is just to thank our listeners for listening and remember to always be true to you and love one another until next time. Bye. Uh-oh. You've just listened to another episode of Love is Spoken Queer. If you want to join in on the conversation, feel free to send us an email at our Gmail account, which is lovespokenqueer at gmail.com, or send us a direct message on our social channels. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you really love our episodes and our show, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That is the fastest way for us to share our words with everyone out there. So again, thank you for listening.